0: All right my friends, welcome back to the podcast with me Jonathan Puddle. This is episode 92. I am very honored to welcome to the show this week, multi-Grammy award-winning, platinum selling artist, the one and only Lacrae. Lacrae has a new album out in 2020 called Restoration. And he's got a new book out just a couple of weeks ago called I Am Restored, How I Lost My Religion But Found My Faith. And we just had a really wonderful conversation here talking about his journey through faith, healing, restoration, hope, figuring out how to be authentically himself in a culture that didn't celebrate him for who he was. So without further ado... Please welcome Lecrae to the podcast. Full disclosure, I have never listened to your music until two weeks ago.
1: (laughs) That's great. No no problem at all. I mean, hey.
0: I think when when you came on the scene was right about the time I was leaving Christian music behind. I understood it. You know, I, I had gone through all that. I'd been... You know, I was into cross movement in the nineties. Oh, yeah. Wow. And all that. Kirk Franklin. And then I was sort of going through my own faith piece and and wrestling with a bunch of the bricks in the wall of my religion. Mm -hmm. And and I was feeling like, man, so much of this Christian music I'm listening to right now is not working for me. So
1: Inauthentic.
0: That's it, right? So yeah. I, I never really closed the loop with you until they said, Hey, do you want to interview Lecrae? And I said, I would love to, but actually I need to listen to his music and read his book. So I have spent the last couple of weeks listening through the whole catalog.
1: Oh, wow. Just, so you saw the journey.
0: Well, that's <laughs> it, man. That's it. I saw the journey and it's fascinating to me. Just fascinating to me. Yeah. So uh, first of all, I'm just I'm thankful for the time. I'm I'm blessed to get to to connect, man. Thank you for, for doing this.
1: Yeah, honor, sincerely.
0: So that journey has just been fascinating to me. There's this movement, (laughs) right? Like from this kind of, let's say, like a classic evangelical certainty, you know, you're not even God's friend. God turns his back on you kind of thing (laughs) um, to to something different, right? Like, Mm. you know, he gave me beautiful, but he gave me beauty for ashes. I blew it. I thought I was Mm. ruined. He started renewing. Mm. there's this there's like a shift in in the essence Mm -hmm. and uh and i i actually felt it in my body Mm. listening today to your first couple of albums i actually it made me feel it made me it hurt it hurt in my body Mm. but listening to restoration I can't sit still, man. I'm bouncing around the room. I'm full <laughs> of joy and life. I can feel the spirit on it. Like,
1: wow. that's
0: fascinating to me. Um, walk us through, you know, some of those big pieces in, in your journey. Obviously, you've there's books written about this whole thing. But, but when I say that to you, what's the first thing that happens in your heart and mind?
1: Oh, my gosh, I, I'm grateful, you know, grateful, grateful that that's the perspective you take away because everyone's not Everyone's not built to be jolted and, and have their whole worldview shaken up and their their idea of stability kind of rocked. People aren't aren't ready for that. So for you to be able to receive that and um and be okay with it, uh welcome it and find great gratitude in it is awesome.
0: Good. Cool. Yeah. So there's there's this big shift for you. You know, you grew up Obviously in an urban culture, you're a black man. you're it's not like you suddenly had your eyes opened to the reality of of being black in America and this time and space, mm-hmm. but there is um a vocalness about that experience that changed a couple of mm-hmm. albums ago.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What 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 caused that shift for you?
1: Um <clears throat> I I think it was you know. You are always alluding to it in the music because you you don't you don't want to deny who you are. And I think it's it's who I was at the core. But then you you all you recognize that that people can't handle it. You recognize that people that there may be pushback or they won't understand. Um you just don't realize to what degree that they'll mm-hmm. push back and to what degree they don't understand. And um and I don't know. I, I think I I would leave breadcrumbs but I got, but it wasn't until, you know, Christina Cleveland uh wrote in an article and she said that she she saw me as a mascot for evangelicalism that I was just stunned. It was like the haymaker to my face. That was like this whole time I thought that I was kind of somewhere in the middle maybe, mm-hmm. but it was like no no no, you you are the token black evangelical so it's like, wow, let me be a little more vocal now.
0: (laughs) Mm. How how does like, how does that, how do you, how do you recover from that or or what was that like for you and your guts in that, that week, that month?
1: It was rough, man. I mean, you got to remember, I'm still like deconstructing these ideals that um, I had established you know you you you're not just talking about somebody's view on i don't know how to build a house you're talking about somebody's view on the whole world um, and so my my framework for seeing god in the world was was just really being challenged and i didn't know how to receive it so it was kind of like i was very disoriented and and needed to figure out how do i move forward what can i keep and what can i not keep and and what's wrong and what's not wrong and it's very tough when you believe something with the core of your being like you you know it's true um but no one's ever challenged that and now Mm -hmm. it's like oh well, well wait a minute is that true and if that's not true what is true that's a scary place you know
0: yeah, for real, for real. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I'm I'm watching that in my parents' generation right now, especially like when I preach and teach and I'm watching people in the room kind of be like, oh, I feel like you just kicked all the bricks in my foundation."
1: Yeah.
0: Um I've had Christina Cleveland on this show.
1: <laughs>
0: and I think I've never been more nervous for <laughs> for any show because I'm like this woman's going to sit here and she's going to speak truth to me. Yeah and I'm, and I'm, and I'm hopefully going to take it well.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you realize that for all her brilliance, well, where, where my plane landed is, you know, for all her brilliance and her, her awesomeness, you know, she's human as well. And we're all human. We're all on a journey. She, she's, she's a vessel and, and that God used in that season. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, she's the standard and that you now have to build your whole perspective off of her. But it does mean that, you know, you you just it really what the lesson that, that she the process that she began in me was to be open, to be yes. open to hearing vantage points and perspectives from so many different people.
0: Yes. Yes. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. So you're looking then around at some of your relationships and you're kind of embedded in this quite white evangelical, sort of neo-Calvinist kind of world. Did you intentionally bring change to any of those relationships or, or you just started speaking up and all of a sudden relationships started changing on you?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, we, I saw it with, with quite a few of my um, African-American friends in the space, you know, Pastor Eric Mason or Leon's Crump, um, pastors who were vocal about, you know, uh, racial inequalities and racial injustices who are also pretty well integrated into white evangelical neo-Calvinistic spaces. And I just knew I wasn't crazy because we were all experiencing the same thing. Um, I, I, I needed, they were like a sounding board. And then of course my friends, you know, as well, who, were all integrated as well and who were all experiencing similar things at the, at the same time, I was fortunate enough to have, you know, I wasn't a part of a church network. Nobody had their claws in me, so to speak. I wasn't, mm. my bills weren't being paid by, uh, uh, an organization, so to speak. So I had more Liberty than they had to just say something. Yeah. And um and and it and it not cost me everything. It it cost me, of course, but it didn't cost me as much as it would have costed them. And then when I started speaking out, it was like people started coming out of the woodwork saying, Well, me two, me three, me four, me five. And um, and that's when I realized, okay, you know, I'm I'm not crazy here.
0: Yeah, wow. That's so true, isn't it? Yeah, that people come out and they explain, yeah, I've been I've been dealing with that stuff as well. How widespread do you think it is, you know, for black artists, black preachers, black movie stars to kind of toe, toe like a white line, so to speak?
1: Oh, it's, it's, it's very widespread. I mean, it's, it's commonplace. You know, if you're, if, you, if you're black in America or any minority in a majority dominated culture, you, you, you've learned how to assimilate how to navigate that culture for your benefit right you've learned um and you've learned some things that are not true you've learned unknowingly that your culture is is um insignificant that your you know that dominant culture is the best um that their ice is colder and their water's wetter you you subconsciously learn these things and so you're 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 going through this process of acknowledging how you've denigrated and degradated your own self at the same time by, by believing these lies and at the same time you're pushing to to not to, to help other people not do the same thing. So it's extremely widespread to answer your question. I think that's just the reality of the of of being a minority in a majority culture, whether you are Korean in, in old Japan. Whether you are black or Hispanic in a white-dominated America, whether you were Jewish in Rome during the biblical times, this was going to be your reality.
0: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I I was just thinking the other day, Octavia Spencer. I'd, I'd read. You know, she'd recently sort of been like, you know, I regret the role that I did in The Help, or I regret aspects of that. I don't feel like like we were ready to do that story with any measure of justice at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how do you sit with, like, that clearly propelled her career forward. Right. right? Like, <laughs> and, and and you know, and, and in some ways, surely your following, you know, was built up with all these white suburban kids. Yeah. How, how do you, I don't know, like, do you feel the need to pay reparations to yourself? Like, how does that work?
1: Um, I mean, this is a two part thing. So the reason why I'm not as hard on myself is because I didn't know any better. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, It'd be different if I knowingly was tap dancing and being objectified. um, Just so I can get a check. Um, But I didn't know I didn't know Mm. I I really thought I was loved. I really thought I was appreciated. I really thought I was seen and and valued. And so there's grace there. Um, You know, even even as you 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 awaken to these things there's always a tendency to put down other uh black people who may be in the dark and say what are you doing what's your freaking problem but but they sometimes they don't know you know and you and so you do your best to educate them and give them the materials um i look at it like once i did know you are in a conundrum and you're trying to figure out okay well, what do i do here and for me my methodology was to dig a tunnel you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. You know, you just dig a tunnel and you find your way out of that situation. Um, but you still act like a prisoner on a day to day basis. You still, you know, you still go smile and keep pushing because, you know, you're digging your tunnel and, and your escape route is being created. And for me, that tunnel um, that I was was digging was financial stability because you do. I live in a society and a culture where. Um, being objectified and being what white evangelicals wanted me to be was, was financially beneficial being who I authentically am would was a financial suicide mission. Um, so when I was awakened to everything, it turned into a situation where it's like, okay, let's get some financial stability going here. And, um, and then we're going to blow the roof off this thing.
0: Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. When I read you retelling, that piece about like that you thought you were loved. You thought that Mm. you were seen. My heart broke, man. Mm. And for what it's worth, I'm so sorry that you were treated that way. And, and, you know, and that love was masqueraded, you know, Mm. as, as something else. Uh, Mm. I'm so sorry.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. appreciate that. You know, it's, it's a process.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That, that must've been, I mean, how, how is that for you in, relationally, you know, how do you pick yourself up and dust yourself off and, and people that you've looked up to and and, and where your faith and your theology is married up all around this stuff with your self-worth.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, it, it, it you know relationally i think you realize and you recognize that the people who you were closest with and who need you are going to walk with you on that journey uh the people who saw you as in as disposable or expendable um they they tend to not stay there and you just realize okay we're not really friends then i i, I mean doesn't make them evil people doesn't make them you know any less wise it just brings to light the reality of that relational dynamic you know and and so you you stop having that expectation Mm -hmm. you know what i mean you stop expecting it to be more than it is it's almost like oh she's just not that into you you know what Mm -hmm. i mean it's kind of that 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 realization and um, and then you you lean into the relationships who do need you. You know, that's one of the things I began to realize. I began to realize that white evangelicalism loved the Lecrae that 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 they wanted, but they didn't love Lecrae for who he was. And white evangelicalism didn't need Lecrae. You know, there, there are there are pockets and cultures and people who need my voice. And that's where I had to lean into instead of trying to plead and beg for the the, the spaces who didn't really need my voice, they're they, they, they like, oh, well, if we don't have him, there's so many other voices. I mean, we really need said, you know, pastor's voice or said artist's voice. We don't need Lecrae. He's a great virtue signal of our desire for diversity, but, but we don't really need him.
0: We need baptized music that we can permit our young people to listen to Absolutely, because if we don't have hype tunes, they won't come to our events anymore.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah.
0: As, as some of those relationships shifted, then, and you're looking at these people, you know. Okay, let me let me back up. I've spent years of my career working in a particular Christian ministry who I who I love, great respect for those people, but Jonathan Puddle has a lot more going on than just the values of that one ministry. And I began to realize that the longer I spend there, I kind of marinate in that culture. I kind of pickle in those values. And I start playing the game according to what those guys are looking for, you know, those talent scouts, those pastors. And when I left my employment there, it took some time to kind of settle down into me and realize I've been caring about all kinds of things I don't care about because that was, those were the rules of the system. Did that, did that happen for you as you're kind of <laughs> sliding away from some of those friends?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. You just find yourself like, almost feeling bad about it because you know, you're, you're like, does this mean I'm spiritually declining? Because I'm not as interested in some of these things as I once was. Um, And yeah I, I i experienced that greatly um you know for me i've always liked you know studying the cultural history around the bible current times a culture i love culture and um but yet that was not something that i was told was valuable or necessary or needed um i just needed to learn how to parse greek and i I didn't really want to learn how to parse Greek verbs. Like I didn't, it's not something that, you know what I mean? I, I, you know, it was like evangelism explosion. And I was like, I, I just feel like having genuine relationships with people has been far more beneficial to like helping them navigate faith in God than like asking them, have they ever told a lie before, you know, and then walking them through I, just so many things like that where I would wonder, like, you know, this is not stuff that I I really cared about in the first place. Um, but this is stuff that I was told that I have to care about in order to be a faithful Christian.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did it what did it look like practically on some of those days where you wake up and you're like, OK, I no longer have to care what this guy thinks today I get to be Lecrae and maybe I get to take a deeper breath than I did yesterday. Oh yeah. Sliding into being yourself. What does that look like?
1: Yeah. I think, um, you know, for me, it's looked like, um, on a practical level, I think it's, it's having conversations with people, and being the most authentic version of myself, not a manicured version that like fits this stereotype that they believe I look like. And then seeing their eyes jump out of their head when I say something that they didn't expect me to say, or, you know, did he he swear? Or did he, what is he, what just happened? You know what I mean? And it's, but what that does is that allows them to see like, my humanity, our commonality, and that I'm not here because of religious jargon or like hierarchies or some kind of spiritual caste system. Um I'm just I'm I'm here because of grace and I'm I'm walking with anybody and any and whoever's around, you know, who wants to walk with me in this process.
0: Yes. So good. I'm seeing like you're Obviously, I think I think a lot of people are on a similar trajectory, like there's just millions of millions of people wrestling with the faith of their parents, with the faith of the, the nation and how they intersect with that, what that means for them as as humans. Right. Like, because mm-hmm. maybe once upon a time and maybe some listeners are listening and they're like, OK, Jonathan's talking about faith and then Lecrae talking about race. Like, like these are integrated matters. Right. Like these are yeah. this is one and the same. Yeah when famous people go through these journeys it's more visible for the rest of us to see and i think sometimes we can we we find hope in that because we right. we see ah oh, okay there's other people going through this journey you know i, I see like nicole nordeman is kind of back in music and she's got a new album and and it's like coming off the back of divorce and personal crisis and and all this kind of stuff. And I see, again, a lot of that in in your music, right? There's like this honesty about the drugs and about the pain and, and about all the stuff. Does denial of pain, like, what does that do to us?
1: Oh, man, I I, I would say, you know, denial of pain is, um, is honestly where you find um, more pain, you know, like suppression, Confession leads to freedom. Suppression leads to more suffering, right? So, so it's just leading to more suffering, um, by you denying the pain that you're experiencing and denying the pain that you've gone through. You, you, what you learn is a, is a, is not healthy coping mechanisms. What you learn is, um, is how to escape. And, um, and the the problem is that eventually it's going to catch up to you. You know, it's going to catch you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You, you wrote, um, I don't know how much of this I typed out word for word, but you wrote to the effect, my failure to comprehensively address my relationship with my father created even more chaos in my life. And then kind of conservative evangelical stages are packed with these kinds of testimonies with just enough detail to point to Jesus. But it's sort of like trauma porn, just a little flash of flesh. You know, you leave them wanting more. You say, oh, God restored my relationship. But, but your trauma gets exploited, like, for the sake of the gospel. And no one's actually interested in you being healed.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just more objectification. You know what I mean? It's, that's really what it comes down to. It's, it's like, show me how this points to what we really care about. Because we don't really care about this. We just care about the message. And so it's almost like going to a movie. And, and oftentimes Christian movies are, are are not well written. They're not well executed because the goal is the message and not the art. So they, they create these films because they know people are, they'll objectify art to get the message. So just show me what we really care about. Like get to that, show me how this points to this. And I think you miss out on on the power and on the, you know, on the miraculousness of creation, it's, it's almost like you, you don't go outside on a sunny day and say, this is all cool and everything, God, but show me how this points to the gospel, right? <laughs> you, don't, you don't do that. You go out there and you enjoy it and you appreciate it and you bathe in the sun and you swim in the ocean. And there may be moments where you think, man, I'm so grateful that God is loving and generous and and yes, this is evidence that he's real. And so it should push me toward, you know, seeking him more, but ultimately you go there to uh, appreciate what's there. And when we're talking about trauma and we're talking about pain, like we're there, we should be there to allow people to connect and, and, and say, I see you. What you're dealing with is not so shameful that it can't be addressed. What you're wrestling through is something that we can sit in for a second and not try to scathe over and and slather on a message. Um, but we can be here for a minute, you know what I mean? And, and it's okay um, because that's how we're gonna heal. We're gonna have to sit in that for for a little while. Um, in order to find healing. And I think that's that's what we don't get enough of. You know, it's like, we know what's happening out here, but we don't want to talk about it, we, right? We we know little Johnny is looking at porn, but we're just going to say, don't look at porn, trust Jesus. We're not going to dive into the depths of that, right? We, we, we're not going to wrestle with any of those particular things we're we're scratching the surface on areas of race and sexuality. So, you know, it's just not, it's not what evangelical church wants to do.
0: Yeah. 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 For real, man. Yeah. I know you've read the body keeps the score and, and I've, I've read a bunch of that and a lot of other stuff in that, in that realm. And it came to me that I think sin really is pain avoidance. Mm. And so you, you take a trauma-informed perspective on sin, and you say, okay, so little Johnny's looking at porn. Well, what is he avoiding? What, what What is he feeling that he desperately doesn't want to feel? I know in my life, you know, as, I mean, I was addicted to porn by the age of 13, and one, like I had to get over the addiction factor, right? Like the, uh-huh. the, the chemical dependency. Uh-huh. And, and once that was broken, everything was about healing. Everything was about like, Jonathan, what are you trying to not feel?
1: Mm.
0: And thus everything came back to wounds from my childhood and wounds in my life. And, you know, my parents' divorce and my father coming out and just like tons and tons of disappointment, you know, year after year of your life. Mm. But I, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think we're ready to sit down with Johnny and say, okay, so maybe, maybe you've been wronged. Mm. Maybe before, yeah. maybe before you know you started looking at boobies, uh, someone did something wrong to you, mm-hmm. and it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. And we need to help you sit with your pain. Mm. But I can't have that conversation with you because I've got years of pain I've never learned to sit with. And I don't want to go down that journey.
1: Yeah, yeah, nailed it. it. It's it's funny because if anything, faith should make us more comfortable in the nuance. It should mm-hmm. make us more comfortable in the gray areas. But what it does is it creates this like false sense of security in like you know categoric categories and and making things more black and white. The world is already struggling with nuance, right? The, the don't even include faith the world is struggling with nuance like we we still have a two-party system in america that everyone believes is like it's right or wrong <laughs> like there's no room for like well perhaps there's wrong on both sides <laughs> perhaps so, so that we, sounds we still, like you don't
0: believe in jesus and you <laughs> hate babies
1: <laughs> exactly so, and israel <laughs> so that's that's the problem is like if you really look at Jesus, he lived in the nuance, like that's where he was comfortable, which is why I, what got him killed, right? And so, if anything, it should make us more comfortable in the nuance and more comfortable in these gray areas, but it doesn't. It, it we just create new categories, new re, re, religious laws to deal with things, and so I can't talk with johnny about his porn because my category says it's wrong stop it done mm-hmm. and it, and it, it, what do we talk are we having a conversation about this we know what it says this is not a conversation so there's no room for nuance because we we believe that we've been given that's what we love just give me just tell me what to do okay i don't want to think about it just tell me what to do and then i'm good
0: yeah for real Yeah. So, so, you know, the subtitle the subtitle of your book is How I Lost My Religion But Found My Faith. Could you break down those two a little bit for us? For some people, you know, religion simply means I believe in God, but but I think a lot of Mm -hmm. us who've grown up in the church, religion is this very specific thing, kind of like the rules that you were just touching on.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, religious religion is is a practice, right? Religion is the idea that you follow these practices. And, you know, in a perfect world, the practices are a demonstration of your relationship, right, in a perfect world. But but in our society, what religion fleshes itself out as, as, is us following laws and practices in order to gain acceptance, whether that's acceptance by a church, whether that's acceptance by people, by God, whatever it is, you're not doing this because you genuinely are passionate about it and have a desire to cultivate relationship with people and with God, you're doing it because you want to be accepted instead of understanding you are accepted and then living out of that reality. So faith is is moving forward, you know, in this, this kind of weird space of like, so I'm already loved, I'm already accepted so i just do this stuff and i may fall and i and i just get back up and i keep going and it's all and it's all good you know faith is like so i so i can come back home you know and and be embraced so so i can get stuff wrong and it's still we're cool um so so religion is is the idea of me having to get it all right in order to be accepted faith is me recognizing, man, there's no way I'm going to get this right, but I'm going to trust in this relationship that you say that we have now. And I'm going to just keep moving forward. Um, I always use this example of like, you know, me coming home with a bunch of bouquet of flowers for my wife and saying, here, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I guess uh, here's your flowers. Um, This is what you do to have sex with your wife. So here, I'm sleeping on the couch, (laughs) right? But if I'm thinking about her all day long and I'm inspired and I'm like, I'm going to get her some flowers, right? And I come home with flowers. It's an act of faith because I don't know what's going to happen, but I just know that I want to cultivate this relationship. She may not even like flowers, but I took the risk. You know what I mean? It's like I stepped out on that because I love you and I want to cultivate this relationship. And um, and that, and that's that's a faith journey. That's a faith walk.
0: And that's an organic outflow of your heart rather yes. than like, I should do this. I shouldn't do that. Um, right. It's so real, man. Like I'm a kid's posture among other things. And even in the curriculum and the stuff we're trying to teach our kids and every kid's church curriculum I find almost, almost is like, Don't do this. Here's the Ten Commandments. (laughs) Memorize this. Um, You know, uh, Cain killed Abel because Cain was the bad one. Don't be like the bad one. And I'm like, okay, I got to teach these kids about the Holy Spirit. I don't teach these kids that Christ comes and lives in you. Yeah. And it's not even your own strength. Yeah. But it's so ingrained, you know.
1: And, and, you know, it's funny because... I, I have three kids, and I have drilled. It's just our wiring. We are we are natural born legalists. That's just what we are wired to be. And I tell them again and again and again and again. There's nothing you can do to make me love you more or love you less. Nothing. Their brain. I, I, no matter how many times I say it, they 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 come back. They come back with this like, but well, what if I do this? <laughs> I'm like, no, but but what if, I'm like, no, I'm like, that's how God is. There's no, like, like, that's how he loves us. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain to you that it's, that it's like grace and love that fuels this thing and not your righteous actions. But I think in their small little brains they just you know that's what they're used to they're used to like well you said don't do this and do do this and so we're training them in that mindset of rights and wrongs and i and i do agree that there is a season for them for them just like learning like hey here's the 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 barriers but then it's a new season of like well there's some there's some nuance here and and only god's gonna be able to walk you through that you know, you've got to trust in the spirit to, to navigate through this.
0: That's so true. We'll take a quick break to thank my patrons. Thank you to everybody who supports me on Patreon.com. Your encouragement and support means so very much to me. Thank you as well to everybody who ordered my new book, You Are Enough, Learning to Love Yourself the Way God Loves You. It's been really cool seeing those books arrive Uh, I love the photos that you guys have been sending out. I I really love the posts when people get stuck on certain days and just can't go past for a little bit. So please keep sending those photos. Tag me on social media at Jonathan Puddle. I have really enjoyed hearing the stories of your journey with this book. So thank you to everyone who bought that. Thank you to everyone who supports me on Patreon. If you would like to become a patron of this show for $3 a month, you can join up at patreon.com slash Jonathan Puddle. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, I'll talk to people about, you know, moving away from a from violent parenting or from from real moralistic parenting. You know, and the first response from people is always like, oh, so you're going to go and let your kid run across the road? Right. And I'm like, okay, sweet. Thank you. Like, it's so great that we went there. Like." <laughs> A child can't be held responsible for what a child doesn't understand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so I'm gonna mm-hmm. put I'm gonna put supports around them
1: mm-hmm.
0: when they don't have the developmental capacity, the knowledge, the so on to understand the danger mm-hmm. factors in their life. But when my 16 year old is walking down the street, I'm not gonna be like, Are you watching out for the for the cars in the road? Like right. that's ridiculous. Right. Um, and in fact, it's gonna be toxic to him. And he's going to say, get out of here, dad. Like Mm -hmm. you, you are so blind to my lived reality,
1: man. Boy, that's, that's the way you're speaking. You are preaching to me now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to know what, what brings you joy, man? Like what, when, when you're sitting in your integrity Mm. and being authentically you, when you go outside and look at the sun, you know, and you don't say, well, Jesus, where's the cross out here in the sun? You know, when you're not, when you're not looking for religious symbolism anywhere, everywhere, like we just discussed, what is it that like, where you just feel the joy?
1: Um, Honestly, it's when there is, when I have margin, you know, like, and, and that's why I fight for weekly is just space. When I just tend to pile on tasks and 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 assignments and and burdens and um and then you know life will throw you curveballs that create new burdens so it's like oh i wasn't anticipating cancer mom okay well there's a new burden now that i wasn't anticipating and and what i realized is that as much as i love to to plow through life and just reap a harvest. And I also, I find joy when I can just sit back and and not have to think about anything, not have to over process. Um, and so, you know, meditation has been good for me, you know, taking a day to just meditate, you know, walking, um, just taking a walk and not, and you know what, I don't have to worry about anything. There's not a call I have to think about. There's not a kid that I have to bathe or any, it's just, I, I can just walk. And I think that's, you know, it's, it's that it's that subtlety that brings me joy. Um, I'm very controlling. And so I, I I think a large part of my depression and anxiety came from not having control mm-hmm. and feeling as if everything was spinning out of control. And I could not, I was like, ah! And, um and I think I have joy when I can say guess what there's nothing to control god's got it just chill you know
0: mm. i can identify with that yeah. even even when you're when you're in a busy social media space and you're you're you know you're it's like just to leave my phone mm-hmm. and to, to disappear
1: mm-hmm. it's just like oof. yep Yep.
0: i i went on a long kind of meditative journey last year i felt like god said to me early in 2019 jonathan it's time you became responsible for the love in your life like you need to learn to love yourself and i, I was like i don't i don't know what that means and and that was when i was getting into like body keeps the score and mm-hmm. learning about trauma and i had faced panic attacks and anxiety and depression for such a long time mm-hmm. and starting to see that actually under like my depression was anger mm. that, that I'd never been permitted to feel. Yeah. And sitting with that and understanding actually underneath my anger was all just grief and sadness because life hadn't gone the way I th- my five-year-old brain thought it would go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and through meditation coming to, to kind of meet those different parts of myself and extend grace to each one. Yeah. And then I find myself like looking at myself in grace and love. And, and I see God saying like, yeah, now you can love your neighbor because now you've actually learned to be present to yourself and love yourself. And I'm like, man, no one told me this in like masculine formation school.
1: <laughs> nah, that one, that's a classic that gets skipped over.
0: <laughs> How can we do better? For our kids and for the next generation,
1: man. You know, I, a large a large part of it is is realizing and recognizing that um, that we are just at, at best, you know, we are giraffes on ice skates. You know what I mean? We we are just clumsy, and um, and I think when I'm overly confident I fall more. Hmm. When when I am when I am aware of my clumsiness, the authentic moments of leadership and transparency and those things happen more. Um and, and so what I've what I've learned is to to embrace that reality because because oftentimes you know, we're afraid of being seen as weak or we're afraid of being seen as, you know, clumsy instead of just saying, no, I am. You know what I mean? Like, I am. I'll never forget this. Twitter was just really starting to to be a, a, a like a thing. You know, it was a thing, but I was getting into it more. And I was having a rough day. I don't even remember what I did. I blew it somehow. I don't remember what I did. I may have like, you know, um, I don't even remember what I did, but I knew I blew it. I knew I didn't live up to my expectations. And um, and I remember just feeling like, freak, man, I'm such a loser. And I tweeted, I tweeted like, you know, this is an, an emo tweet. I was like, I'm not a Christian because I got it all together. I'm a Christian because I'm weak and I need a savior. I remember tweeting that just on some like, I don't care, this is just where I'm at right now and not thinking much about it. Most retweets I've ever had in my, over <laughs> hundred like 70,000 retweets. And I was like, what just happened? And I think it was like a light bulb went off that said, the acknowledgement of, of your frailty is liberating because everyone's carrying on this facade that they have it all together. And I I don't think we'll do well for our children by pretending that we have it all together. I think they need some help understanding that we are more stable, but our stability comes from trusting in God and his wisdom and not because, you know, I just have it all together. Um, So I apologize to my kids often, Um, (laughs) you know, I admit I don't know and I say hey let's pray because daddy doesn't know and so they can see a sense of trust um, and, and that's that's been a, a saving grace in a lot of circumstances and I mean we'll see how it pans out I mean they're not adults yet so you know we'll see how much counseling they end up having to get as they get older but so far it's, it's, it's what I'm learning.
0: That's so good, man. I don't yeah, I feel like forget paying for your daughter's wedding. Just put counseling money aside for all <laughs> your kids. Yeah. That's it. What about the music? Are you are you the kind of guy? I don't know much about your process. Are you kind of constantly churning on the music? Are you are you in big like seasons where you're really focused? Um are you in the studio every day? What's kind of like your your vibe?
1: Yeah. Um the music it it comes. You know, as as I I think I've afforded the opportunity in my life now to follow inspiration. Um, before I had to be very disciplined,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and um and you just work until inspiration comes. Now I'm in a season of life where, um, you know, by by the grace of God, I don't have to I don't have to do music. Yeah. I get to do music. Sure. And so I, I'll follow the inspiration and I'll follow the lead. Um, I don't I don't want to be controlled by it to where it feels like a job. Um I have other things in my life that are a job. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> three um, babies.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so that that's uh that's one area where I'm like, okay, it's been a job for so long, I didn't enjoy it. Um but now I, I enjoy it and I enjoy it letting inspiration lead Mm.
0: me what's 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 fresh then for you right now what's what's kind of you wake up in the morning and go to bed at night what's lecrae chewing over in his spirit Mm. musically mentally whatever
1: yeah it it, it's seasonal you know right now um, trying to to be a good leader for my my kids you know because they're able to to be a lot more cognizant and processing the world around them more. So just trying to to help shape their worldview a lot more is like one of the things that I'm I'm wrestling with on a regular basis. Um and then just trying to figure out my why more, you know, asking myself why, you know, what's my why? Um you know and not to sound gloomy, this is, you know, but just being honest. I, I'm just in a season of life too where I'm like, I believe that there's a life after this one. And and I anticipate it, you know, like Paul was saying, man, I I'm here for y'all, but I really want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> and and I feel that so much more now. It's like, I'm only here for y'all, man. I have seen a lot, done a lot. I'm just trying to raise these kids and pour my life out because man, life as you family members start dying. People get sick, divorces happen, and you're like, okay, all right. You know, depression, panic attacks, you're like, all right, okay. I'm here for y'all because this place, you know. It's, it's hard. It's rough, yeah. It hurts. Yeah. yeah, man.
0: And then you turn up at church and tell someone you're having a hard time and they say, oh, I just have more faith, brother.
1: I do. I have faith that heaven awaits. How about that?
0: <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Yeah. Uh Lecrae, would you um would you pray for us?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um God, I'm just I'm reminded of um Psalm twenty-five and and David just um the psalmist just being expressive about a desire for restoration and renewed perspective and um you not counting his failures against them, and and I pray that for anybody and everybody who's listening, for restoration, for renewed perspective, for you not counting their failures against them. Um, I mean, God, just acknowledgement that it is hard, that life is is difficult, and that joy is something that cannot be taken away, but happiness is 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 by happenstance. And so, God, I do pray for happy moments for people. But I pray for unshakable joy, um, that you would give them a joy that would help them push through the difficult times, um, give them strength and the ability to persevere. Uh, we love you. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that was Lecrae. Make sure that you go and check out his book, I Am Restored How I Lost My Religion But Found My Faith. You'll find that linked in the show notes. I've read, I don't think I finished it, but I read almost all of it now and it's really enjoying it. Really vulnerable, authentic journey about his life. And we're touching, like we touched on in this interview, a ton of different subjects all woven in together. It was a real blessing to me. I was really. Really touched by his story, so I recommend that to you. Make sure you're listening to Restoration as well. If you don't know the cravery very well, he's doing a ton of stuff outside of the music as well. He's working in partnership with Prison Fellowship and a number of other organizations to really help disenfranchised folks in the United States. He's a partner with a venture capital group looking to fund projects that might not otherwise be funded. He's doing a bunch of work with homeless and incarcerated people in and around the Atlanta metro area go follow him on all the social media it's just at lecrae and i will link to a bunch of other resources here in the show notes so that you can get a fuller picture of this remarkable humble man who i really enjoyed speaking to have a great day friends see you next week